calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. together a pop culture academic symposium we are the pop culture professors mm-hmm. you know we're smart people talking dumb topics dumb 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 and yet somehow we are both actual college professors yeah That's- we have master's degrees who are we i'm caitlin bits guy and i'm lauren brickman and we're here to dive into the world of stand-up mm-hmm. you know being an obsessive fan of something. <laughs> truly. We're really push we're truly pushing the limits on what that means. But uh I'm curious, Caitlin, what are you currently standing right now? I am standing a a new show that's part of an epic franchise. <laughs> it's like we have a new book of the Bible in a way. And that's an especially <laughs> apt comparison because I'm talking about Real Housewives. Of Salt Lake City. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I'm so glad you brought up The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I didn't want to have to bring it up first. I'm so glad you gave me the door and I could walk through it because honestly, there's nothing else I want to talk about right now. It's really iconic, folks. If you've been, you know, you're friends with people that watch Real Housewives, but you've never gotten Mm -hmm. into it. I'd say now is the time. There's only been a couple episodes that have aired. You can jump right in. It mm-hmm. really, they absolutely explain themselves from the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're wondering, are they all Mormon and they don't drink? All of these are, these questions are going to be answered in the first episode. And first episode. Absolutely, they are not all Mormon. 
And I'll say this. I am someone who has come and gone from the Real Housewives franchise over the years. I've had an affair with New York. I've had an affair with Atlanta. I was real hot and heavy with Dallas for a minute. But, you know, for whatever reason, over the past year or so, I've really fallen out of step. But the women of Salt Lake City have brought me home in a way that I didn't know I needed to be brought home. And... You know, one of the things we've talked about on this pod before is we want to see more religion on TV getting talked about. And that has been served. And, you know, I'm glad you had a really a come to Jesus moment, a come a come to Andy moment. And you are back. You know, Housewives fans come home. Remember, mm-hmm. we are a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints here at the Housewives fandom. If you missed some eps, you missed some cities. It is OK. Get back in. Let's also talk about how beautiful the city of Salt Lake is. The <gasps> mountains in the background, the snow. Oh my God. It is an amazing backdrop. You're yes. still going to get ugly McMansions. Don't worry about it at all. Yeah. But they're just going to be up against the background of absolutely gorgeous scenery. It, can you give and, me, Brickman, who is mm-hmm. your favorite of the Salt Lake City housewives? Wow, this is a great question. And I, it's, I have never liked so many housewives out the gate before. Like, in most franchises, I immediately am like, that's my girl. That And, like, I know who I'm going to be rooting for when I watch um, one of these. And this time around, I've got a couple of favorites because I'm, I'm loving Heather. Yes. Heather is so fun. And if you watched our live stream, um, our hashtag National We Stand Together Day live stream, you already know that we have a favorable impression about the fact that Heather is like a very like healthy bodied woman and not stick thin, but they're not making that like her storyline thus far. It, like, I don't believe. They haven't mentioned it once. And it's iconic and amazing and she's gorgeous and I love her. Um, she's very fun. I really, really like Meredith. I think she's interesting and I'm obsessed with her relationship with her son. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of story there. I'm really here for Jen. Uh, she's okay. uh, born a Mormon in Hawaii. You better mm-hmm. believe she's a Muslim in Salt Lake City now. And yeah. the journey that we need to find out in between that so much more. Also, did you know her son? Notice her sons are named Omar and Sharif. Yes. Omar Sharif. Mm-hmm. Omar Sharif. I did notice that. Um, I do love Jen. Jen is iconic. And I am very excited for Heather and Jen, like, escapades to unfold, I'm sure. Um, I also, like, Mary is a a fabulous, bizarre entity. Absolutely. Like, she's a Pentecostal preacher. Is that what we say, preacher? (sighs) She, that is, you're right. She does not identify with that term, but yes. She calls herself, like, the mother of the church or something. Right. Like, But that's what she's doing. She's preaching. Yes, absolutely. Yes. She's she's Pentecostal, and she got that handed down to her by her grandmother, who also handed down to her her husband. So she is married to her step-grandfather. Correct. And... That's just a and thing we thank that them. exists in this world, and we think that, and we just thank these housewives I, again. Please, if you're if you're like I'm not a housewife first, give it a chance. If you are a housewife person, you've already been watching and you love it, and you are yeah. born again in the housewife kingdom. <laughs> um, I also I just while we're on the topic of what we're standing this week, I do feel an obligation to sort of, um, 
make a statement for anyone listening to this show who like us is current on grays because yes. i know that we have a lot of listeners who are who are living that lifestyle with us and have chosen that path and i know i just want to say to anyone in the in the grays standum who's having a hard time right now if you ever want to talk about what's happening on that show um just know our dms are always open Absolutely. Just, i just want to say that like these are really challenging times to be a Grace fan. If you're current, you know what we're talking about. And I don't want to, no spoilers for anyone who's not, but I just, I want you to know we're here for you. Famously, Caitlin and I are current on Grace at all times. And it's a lot right now. Yeah. It's a lot right now, Grace. But fans. if you can believe it, our topic this week is not actually Grace <laughs> or Real Housewives. But you know, it's shocking. Our loyal listeners know we got to bring them up all the time. We're all actually talking about fan fiction. And for anyone who's listening, like maybe my little brother who's like fan fiction, what is fan fiction? Uh-huh. Well, fan fiction are stories written by a fan that feature characters from a particular TV series, movie, etc. So these stories can sometimes exist within the world of these stories that we love, or it can really turn them on their head. Um, some examples of, uh, you know, fan fiction hitting the, the heights, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey famously started off as a Twilight fan mm-hmm. fiction. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then also... A movie that is growing in popularity is this movie After, which I accidentally watched on Netflix okay. and then found out months later when I joined the One Direction fandom oh. that it's actually Goodness. based on a One Direction fanfic and it has spurned a trilogy of movies. Um, so that's fun. So, and you know, yeah. yeah, if you didn't know what a fanfic was, you can see the, the broad range. You have fan fiction for twilight which is a book and film series but then you can have Mm -hmm. fan fiction about one direction which is five individuals that really exist on earth Mm -hmm. and i think that's you know fan fiction is so delightful because it's exactly what this show is it's just like a celebration of things and people that you love and making them Uh, your own and controlling them yeah, and fanfiction is really having its moment right now because there's this um, app called Wattpad where a lot of fanfiction gets like shared and published, and they've actually created a production company. So like, films and TV are getting made based on fanfiction because it's just so popular now, um, which I think is kind of amazing. Um, I'm curious though, Caitlin, when did you like? How did you discover fanfiction? It's a good question, and I'm not sure. Um, I feel like probably just googling character names. <laughs> um and then like finding a fic but i don't i don't know exactly um okay it definitely is not something i shared with friends at any time not because of secrecy it just i don't think it was part of the zeitgeist when yeah. i was a certain age how about you i i think i was i think the first time i like really heard about fan fiction was like my first or second year of grad school and I can't I, I it kind of all happened at one time so like <laughs> two things happened simultaneously one was my my roommate was a big fan fiction consumer like she was really into it and so she had 
been really into Harry Potter and I had said something about like um, we had been we had met my roommate in grad school and I had met years prior when we were both studying abroad in Ireland and we had been together when the final Harry Potter book had come out and it was sort of something that we had shared together and so when I moved in with her she was like oh you're a Harry Potter fan and she like started telling me about these fan fiction she was reading and I was a little on the fence about it but around the same time a friend of mine from high school discovered that her enemy, her like arch enemy from high school was writing Grey's Anatomy <gasps> fiction. And my friend, uh, shout out, <laughs> I won't name, I won't name check you, but you know who you are. Uh, my friend was forwarding me these Grey's Anatomy fan fictions being like, ha ha ha, isn't it so funny that so-and-so does Grey's Anatomy fanfic? But I had the opposite reaction that she did. Like, instead of being like, oh, this is lame, I was like, what is this beautiful world that I didn't know <laughs> about? Uh, and so I kind of, I'm not sure. It was like chicken egg. I'm not sure which one of them sent it to me first, but uh, these things, I, it was exciting to know that people were as geeked out about things that I was geeked out about. But I never like wrote fan fiction. I was never like in that like scene, but I like fully have cons- been consuming fan fiction since then. Love it. That is so amazing. Yeah. And we have some of the absolute funniest people for you that have written original fanfic and they're going to be reading them i wrote one i poured my heart into it we have such a wide variety it's going to make your head spin but each one is a is a gem that's that's the only thing they have in common yeah, we decided to do this episode because, uh, as we've mentioned before, we have a virtual book club, the We Stand Virtual Book Club. And earlier this year, we were like, let's do a month dedicated to fan fiction. And we encouraged folks to bring in original fanfics. And they were so funny. And it was so much fun that we're like, we got to do a whole episode of this. So today, it's a combination of our book club members, former guests, friends of the show, uh, people that you've met, people that you will meet. And I, it is a wild combination of genres and fandoms and interpretations of what fan fiction is and can be so please please enjoy we're gonna have these fanfics for you right after this break here's a quick question for you how did you sleep last night If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep my voice. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh boy, I am just absolutely tingling with anticipation. I cannot wait. I'm so excited for people to hear these. These are going to be so much fun. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a hot cup of tea Mm -hmm. or a big glass of vodka, whatever makes you feel safest. (laughs) No mixer. No, no mixer. Uh, and enjoy the first ever We Stand Fanfic Fest. My name is Benjamin Farhoff, and I'm reading Measured Fire by Lauren Ann Brickman. There was no denying it. Cher was bored. Not just bored, but bone-deep bored. What was there to do? She'd already all caps tweeted for an hour, and, to be honest, her fingers were tired. She'd applied, washed off, and reapplied her makeup no less than five times today, and the high of spending her hard-earned money just wasn't cutting it. No. When she felt like this, there was only one thing that could cure her. Hot sex with a stranger. She knew what she had to do. Quickly, she tossed on her average Jane cosplay look and ordered an Uber to the closest dive bar she could find. Cher turned up the volume on her AirPods and heard her own Maleficent voice belt out, Do you believe in life after love? And quietly thought to herself, Hell yeah, I do. Across town, Ed Sheeran was drowning his sorrows into a pint glass. How could he have been so stupid? Why did he think Gwen Stefani was flirting with him? Everyone knew she was gaga for Blake Shelton, but he thought, he really thought there had been a spark there. He winced as the pain from the black eye he'd endured after Blank punched him seared. He really was an idiot. How was he always reading signals wrong? First, that awkward mix-up with Lisa Bonet, then that incredibly awkward date that turned out not to be a date with Academy Award winner Regina King. And now, this. As he ordered another round, he really started to feel desperate. Was he ever going to find love? Just then, a woman walked into his favorite little dive bar. She was stunning. A little older, but that was never something that made Ed back down. He wasn't the least bit ageist at all. If anything, he preferred a woman with a little more experience. The stunning woman sauntered across the bar with a grace that Ed was utterly captivated by. Her clothes were nothing special but her energy, her aura, that he could get lost in forever. Maybe this was the moment? Maybe this was the woman? Maybe he'd been looking for love in all the wrong places because maybe... His soulmate wasn't in the industry. He'd have to find out. Excuse me, ma'am, but can I buy you a drink? He asked as the goddess took a seat next to him. The woman took him in. All of him. Every centimeter. Her gaze making him feel like he was being gulped down like a glass of water. Oh, I think you'll be doing more than buying me a drink tonight, she said with total confidence, a confidence that excited him and terrified him. 
A few drinks later, and the two found themselves in the bathroom of that dive bar, barely able to close the door before ripping away at each other's clothes. Lost in total, carnal, pleasure. After sharing what could only be called a religious experience, they cleaned up and wiped down, and Ed cautiously asked, Can I see you again? Shit, don't even know your name. Huh, it's Cher. Just Cher. The alarm clock penetrated her sleep. Taylor Swift woke up from the best dream she'd had in years. With a huge smile on her face, she thought, I love waking up with a hit in my head. The end. Hello, this is Rachel. I'm going to read an excerpt from a Michael Phelps fanfic that I read in 2004 that I rewrote from memory because it no longer exists. Um, okay, here we go. Delilah jolted awake as the plane she was on made a harsh landing on the runway. As she adjusted in her seat and looked out the window, the captain announced to the cabin, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Athens, where the local time is 12.05 p.m. Right now, you're looking at a temperature outside of 29 degrees Celsius. Being the genius she is, Delilah knew right away that meant it was 85 degrees Fahrenheit out. A nice warm day. The captain continued with his announcement. I wanted to give a special welcome to any of our Olympic athletes on board and wish them good luck in the games. Delilah almost forgot for a second that she was heading to Athens to stay with her cousin, Carly Patterson, as she competed in the 2004 Olympic Games. Delilah and Carly were basically like sisters. Everyone always thought they looked similar, except Carly was a national championship gymnast, and Delilah could barely walk through the airport without tripping, which is exactly what happened. Delilah was too busy trying to figure out where the baggage claim was that she missed a step and fell right into the arms of a tall and gorgeous man. Luckily for her, his arms were massive, so he caught her with ease. I'm so sorry. I'm such a klutz, Delilah said. Don't worry about it. I'm just glad I was here to catch you. The mystery man helped her back on her feet and extended his muscular arms for a proper handshake. Hi, I'm Michael, he said. Delilah, and I would say I'm usually not this clumsy, but that would be a lie. Michael laughed at this self-deprecating joke, which put a smile on Delilah's face. They clicked. Well, thanks again, Michael. No problem, Delilah. Before she could make an even bigger fool of herself, Delilah walked away. She looked back real quick to get another glance at the mysterious man who saved her and noticed he was still looking at her. Delilah smiled and immediately turned back around, embarrassed. Eventually, Delilah found her baggage claim carousel and retrieved her large suitcase. She was going to be there for two weeks, after all. Carly had been circling the arrivals floor, waiting for Delilah to finish, and finally saw her struggling to roll her suitcase to the curb. Carly parked her car and ran over to Delilah to give her the biggest hug. I'm so happy you're here, Carly said. Me too. Just wait till you see our hotel. It's even bigger than the Grand Floridian. The Grand Floridian is the nicest resort at Walt Disney World and where Delilah and Carly's families liked to stay during the holidays when they would go to Disney together. After embracing, Delilah threw her bags in the car, and they drove off to the hotel. 
When they arrived, it was then that Delilah realized Carly was not exaggerating. The resort they were having the Olympic athletes stay in was gorgeous. Right away, there was a massive waterfall in the lobby and marble columns everywhere. Delilah could see the pool in the distance and couldn't wait to check it out after checking into the room. Their room was just as massive with two bedrooms, one for Delilah and one for Carly. There was a glamorous living room in between with a full kitchen and dining room. As soon as Delilah unpacked her suitcase, she and Carly threw on their swimsuits and headed down to the pool. Quickly, they realized it wasn't just one pool, but three. There was a large pool with slides for families to enjoy, an Olympic-sized pool for swimmers to do laps in, and a chill pool for adults with lots of lounge chairs surrounding it. Delilah and Carly decided to head to the adult pool area. They found two lounge chairs under a palm tree and sat down their things before jumping in. While Carly did a few flips and twirls in the water, Delilah just floated there, belly up. The exhaustion from traveling all day had finally caught up with her and she closed her eyes to relax. Suddenly, it got dark, so Delilah opened her eyes to see what was up. It was then she saw a man blocking the sun. As her eyes adjusted, she realized the handsome face. It was Michael from the airport. Hi, this is Caitlin Bitsagai, and this is my original piece, The Truth is Out There at Seattle Grace, a Grey's Anatomy X-Files crossover fic. Dr. Dana Scully couldn't believe she was back to being just a medical doctor. After decades of pursuing the paranormal with her partner, Fox Mulder, she was happy to be back in a normal line of work. She could just be a doctor, no drama. Little did she know her new hospital, Seattle Grace, was far from drama-free. Dr. Meredith Gray didn't know much about the new doctor, only that she used to be in the FBI. Chasing aliens is not how you get a Catherine Fox Award. But Meredith learned not to underestimate beautiful redheads who walk into the hospital. Sometimes they turn out to be her boyfriend's wife. Or at least that happened once. Dr. Dana Scully was following Dr. Miranda Bailey around the hospital as she outlined how the surgical wing runs. Like a tight ship, it seems. Bailey was clearly skeptical of Scully's abilities as a surgeon. She couldn't blame her. Scully's previous experience wasn't strictly in surgery. Though the chief of chiefs raved about her, she learned to trust Weber's judgment. After all, he loved her. Dr. Meredith Gray and Dr. Lexi Gray, who is still alive, but now she has red hair because that is how she expresses that she is going through things, watched Scully talk to nurses at the desk. In truth, Lexi was eager for an ally in the surgical wing. She used to count on Meredith for things like that, but Meredith had taken on many different fake sisters who she inexplicably put ahead of their relationship. To be honest, Lexi was afraid Scully might also be one of Meredith's half-sisters because this is constantly an issue. Lexi watches as Scully talks to a tall, dark, and handsome man in the waiting room who handed her what seemed to be a packed lunch. That's sweet. Karev, Jackson, and Sloan never did that for me. And he's so hot. Her sister, Meredith Gray, behind her says, he's not even a doctor. A paranormal McDreamy, Lexi says. McSpooky, says Meredith. Dr. Richard Weber descends the stairs and looks like a day of reckoning has just come. Dr. Weber, Dr. Gray says. Deputy Director Kirsch, says Dr. Scully. Clearly, he has a lot 
of explaining to do. Thank you. That fic is dependent on you knowing that James Pickens Jr. played both Dr. Weber on Grey's Anatomy, he still does, and he played Deputy Director Kirsch on The X-Files. If you did know that and you saw it coming, please DM me. We should be friends. This is Victoria Adel. The title of the fic is Glory Days. Caitlin was so grateful when she walked into her favorite Jersey City coffee shop and found an empty table. She quickly dumped her bag and coat in the chair, then headed over to the smiling barista to order a gingerbread latte. It wasn't her typical coffee order, but she deserved a little pick-me-up. Once she sat back down at her table, she opened up her laptop and plugged in her headphones. Caitlin let the soundtrack to Mama Mia 2 wash over her while she worked on her latest project, a screenplay for a Moonstruck sequel starring Timothy Chalamet and Sandra Bullock. She wasn't sure she totally bought into the concept for the film, but the pay was good, and that Timothy was really so sweet in real life. She tapped away diligently as she took sips of her gingerbread latte. After a good hour of work, Caitlin realized that someone was hovering near the table. There was an empty seat, after all, but Caitlin had been enjoying the space to spread out. But she knew the needs of all outweighed the needs of one. She took off her headphones and turned toward the person whose back was to her. This seat is free if you want, Caitlin said. The person jumped, surprised that someone was being so kind. As they turned to face Caitlin, she realized just who the mystery person was. That's so sweet, thank you, Jillian Anderson, star of The X-Files and Caitlin's favorite actress, said. Let me put my coat here on the chair while I go order. Do you want anything? I'm good, Caitlin said, holding up her gingerbread latte. Thanks. That was so sweet of Jillian to offer, Caitlin thought. As she watched Jillian order her own caffeinated beverage from the barista, Caitlin's mind whirled. This was her one chance to befriend Jillian. If Caitlin admitted immediately that she was an enormous stan, she would lose this chance forever. But she couldn't totally pretend to not know who Jillian was, either. Based on her years of Jillian knowledge, she figured a little ego stroking would help her case. It was going to be a hard tightrope to walk, but Caitlin believed in herself. Jillian came back and sat down across from Caitlin. She held out her hand. I'm Jillian, by the way. Caitlin shook it and introduced herself. She shut her laptop, hoping that signaled that she wanted to chat. I've never been to Jersey City before, Jillian confessed, but I wanted to get away from the big lights of New York City for a little while. You see, I'm an actor, and the reviews for my latest project haven't been so hot. Caitlin knew what she was talking about. That sucks. What was the project? Jillian took a big sip of her coffee. I played Margaret Thatcher on this Netflix show. The Crown? I thought you were great in that, Caitlin said. Jillian smiled, though there was still sadness in her eyes. People thought my interpretation of her was cartoonish, but Caitlin interrupted. That's just how Thatcher talked. Jillian grinned from ear to ear. Exactly. You understand me perfectly. And that one compliment was enough. Soon Jillian was spilling all the good behind the scenes dirt from The Crown, Sex Education, Hannibal, The Fall, and the many West End productions she'd been a part of. With very little prodding, she went off talking about her time in The X-Files, eventually beginning to shed light on her deeply confusing relationship with David Duchovny. Caitlin was grateful that her years of research into the pair allowed her to ask pointed questions. Do you think part of the problem is that you're both Leos? Caitlin asked Jillian. The Emmy winner considered it. You know, 
I think you might be right, Julian admitted. Then she gave Caitlin a detailed accounting of her and David's entire relationship from their first meeting until that very day, finally giving Caitlin the answer she'd been searching for since the 90s. I'm so glad we met today, Caitlin confessed. They'd been sitting in that coffee shop for hours. Me too, Julian said. Though the star had to hurry back to the city, she wrote her number down on a napkin so Caitlin could text her whenever she wanted. The end. Hello, my name is Leah Jarab, and I wrote a crossover episode of Emily in Paris and Killing Eve. Um, I figured both of the shows take place in Paris, and I was dying to see what would happen um, if a Chicago marketing executive crossed paths with a sociopathic assassin. The scene that you're about to hear is when Villanelle and Emily first meet. I uh, hope you enjoy, and apologies in advance for my terrible French accent. Rue de l'Estrapade Emily walks along sidewalk, still recounting her conversation with Sylvie and the new assignment on her plate. Just meters away, Villanelle exits out of Emily's flat onto the street. Emily, now looking at her phone, is researching French fashion influencers when suddenly she runs smack into Villanelle. They both utter an apology. After gathering herself, Emily observes and then admires Villanelle's stylish outfit. A light bulb goes off. Emily's eyes twinkle. Villanelle's eyes are equally wide, but like those of a deer in headlights. Wow, I love your outfit. Villanelle resumes her fake Parisian accent. Ah, uh, merci. She tries to move along. This could compromise the hit. Wait! No, I like really like your outfit. Thanks. Are you on Instagram? I'd love to follow you. Follow me? What are you, some kind of stalker? No, 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 no. Sorry, um... Emily retrieves translator app on her phone, talks into it. If you have a social media account, I think a lot of people would like it. She plays the translation in French for Villanelle. Uh, no, no. She attempts to break away. If you want, I could help you make an account. I'm a social media strategist. Well, I'm like a bunch of things, but definitely a social media strategist. Good for you. Look, see some of these accounts? Emily puts her phone in Villanelle's face. She scrolls through some high fashion accounts. They pique Villanelle's interest. What is the point of all this? Well, you get a bunch of followers, and then if you get a lot, sometimes brands will reach out to you and give you free stuff. Free stuff? Like what? Really, whatever you want. For instance, if you really like Dries Van Noten, referencing Villanelle's outfit, they could send you some clothes to wear and post photos of. It's all marketing. Villanelle's brows raise. I could be interested in this. I actually work at Savoir. We could bring you on as an official influencer. <gasps> I could be your brand manager. Ah, yes, uh, yes. By the way, my name's Emily. Emily stretches out her hand. Villanelle grasps it. Eleanor. Emily finds a French name particularly exciting. Well, Eleanor, how about I help you get your account up and running? 
uh, sure. I just don't have a lot of time. Emily is occupied. She's typing Eleanor into her French translator app while saying the name out loud again. The translator then speaks. Light. Oh my god, your name means light? Wow, this is a no-brainer. Villanelle takes Emily in. Yes, a no-brainer. <laughs> On a create new account screen, Emily types in Villanelle's new Instagram handle, at City of Eleanor. City of Eleanor, like City of Lights. Get it? It's a pun. Oh yeah, I get it. Uh, see that street sign? She points to the Place de l'Estrapade sign on a building. Place de l'Estrapade? Beautiful. Oui, but Estrapade actually translates to a type of torture. It's kind of like a pun. <laughs> Villanelle laughs, emits pure evil through her smile. Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Anyway, so you're going to want to start taking photos of any really chic outfits you have. Emily takes Villanelle's arm. Schoolyard friends. They begin strolling as Emily gives Villanelle a tutorial. And post them and tag the brands. That is key. Emily's voice fades. They disappear into the arrondissement. The Place de l'Estrapade sign sits comfortably perched above its posh surroundings. Hi, I'm Timothy Dunn, and this is the fake story of the first time that I met and slept with 90s sitcom star Patrick Duffy, star of TGIF sitcom Step by Step. So my friend Charlene asks me if I want to run some errands with her, and I don't have anything else to do, so I say yes. And then she thinks I'm going to sit and watch her try on $10 shirts at Target for more than like 10 minutes. And I'm like, girl, I'll be up front at the Starbucks. Come on, find me when you're done. So I walk up to the Starbucks up front, and it's a good one, like very dark, thousands of reusable cups on millions of shelves. And as I'm opening up my Starbucks app, because points, I hear the barista girl yell out, Venti oat milk, three pump pumpkin spice latte for Patrick Duffy. And I whip my head around like twice actually on my neck because number one, that is my exact order. And number two, Patrick Duffy. So I accidentally yell out Patrick Duffy to the shelves of reusable mugs and I'll be damned. But this guy picks up his drink and turns and faces me. He whips his sunglasses off of his face and it's Patrick Duffy, the Patrick Duffy, the dad from Step by Step. He gives me the thumbs up and says, you got the right one, baby, which is a reference from the 90s that I understand. And I say, wait, you look exactly the same. How have you not aged a day since the 90s when you were the hot dad that was married to Suzanne Summers on the TGIF sitcom Step by Step? And he smiles and says, trim spa, baby. And then he lets me taste his pumpkin spice latte because I've never had it with oat milk before. And it tastes the same. And we have a brief conversation about consent and risk factors. And then we have unprotected gay sex in the big bathroom of the Target that has the lock on it. And it's good. But Charlene thought I left and she left me. And Patrick Duffy had just bought a new floor lamp. And that took up the entire passenger seat of his Mazda Miata. So I ended up walking home the 10 miles. But I stole Patrick Duffy's latte when he wasn't looking because free latte. So let's just say it was a pretty incredible day. Wow. Wow. What do you say? Fix can be anything. Fix can be anything and they will be anything. Well, folks, we we need a quick shower and you probably do too. So we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. I feel cleaner now. Do you feel cleaner? I'll never be okay. 
but 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 do you feel a little bit cleaner no it gets worse as time goes by but luckily (laughs) we have more fix to clean us so let's get back to fic fest this piece is for lauren brickman lauren knew something was about to change she and caitlin had been running the book club for about six months now at first a way to promote their podcast and now now it was their everything she was excited for her evening club but today on a crisp colder than usual november day she felt change in the air her husband joshua jackson was in the kitchen making chili filling the apartment with the smell of beans and love she curled up on the couch in front of the window cracked open her laptop, and clicked on her email to schedule the book club event. And that's when she saw it. It was an email address she didn't recognize, but somehow it felt familiar. She clicked on it. Hello, love. I saw you've been looking at all my Instagram stories, and I wanted to know, who are you? X. Niall Horan. It was Niall Horan emailing her. Niall had seen her of all the girls watching his Insta story and wanted to meet her. Here, try this. Lauren jumped and shut her laptop with a start. All six feet of Joshua was standing right in front of her, holding a spoon of chili. He blew on it with his perfect lips to make sure it was cool enough for Lauren's delicate mouth. His pecs rippled through his autumn sweater in the Astoria sun. He was her perfect husband. But on her computer... The email from Niall was waiting. Okay, yes, things were definitely going to change. I'm Sarah Beeling, and this is Gossip Girl 2020. Where is she being? Good morning, Upper East Siders. Did you miss me? Because I missed you. And while the world deteriorated into a dumpster fire of my pillow sponsored presidents and toilet paper shortages, I've been here and I've been watching. And while most of us are hunkered down with a bottle of Cab Sav poured discreetly in our coffee cups during endless Zoom meetings, Manhattan's elite have been spending their quarantines a little more unconventionally. Looks like Queen Blair and King Charles Chuck Bass have found their way out of Cuomo's prying eyes and into their private jet on the way to their Hamptons manse, and they may be bringing some old friends. Chuck, hurry up! We are wheels up at ten. Calm down, Blair. It's our jet. I know, but I told Serena and Humphrey to meet us there at nine. So they'll get there by ten? Exactly. S is never on time, and Humphrey lives to prove me wrong. So we can't let them beat us there. Besides, Dorota is getting curbside pickup for us from Barefoot Contessa, and I don't want it to get cold. You've made your point. Just make sure to tell Dorota we'll be five. What do you mean, five? I may have extended an invitation to Jenny Humphrey. She needed a- Jenny Humphrey is not welcome on my plane. 
You don't think it would be a gesture of goodwill? Chuck, goodwill is over. It's 2020 and it's every woman for herself. Just ask Ivanka Trump. Little Humphrey and I made a distinct real estate deal that was working perfectly fine until now. She can paddle down the Hudson River in a kayak with Rufus to get to her next quarantine shelter for all I care. Now text Dan and let him deliver the news. Uh-oh, B. It looks like the best laid plans are only the ones you make in 2019. And it's time to cede control of your pandemic pod policies. And what of Serena and Lonely Boy waiting on the tarmac? Serena, this isn't like Blair to be late. Have we called the local hospitals and morgues? I can't believe we beat her here. I'll text her and Jenny. Jenny? Oh yeah, I told her she could hitch a ride. She's meeting Eric at some Airbnb. Wait, why do you know where Jenny is and I don't? I thought you two- We're fine. That was three or four schemes ago. Why don't you know where Jenny is these days? I don't know. I guess we hadn't talked much since Inside came out. Her character wasn't exactly flattering. Neither was mine, and I got over it. Well, not everybody is as benevolent as you, Serena. Dan, I think we're all pretty benevolent considering your history. How much longer are you going to hold that over my head? Why don't you shut the site down? It's just the archive, Serena. My agent said it would be good SEO for when people Google me. Do you hear yourself? Why are you justifying this? Why do you care? Gossip Girl was eight years ago. That's funny considering I know you still check it more than anyone else. How do you know that? Are you tracking me? I... Serena. Humphrey. Uncharacteristically on time. It's good to see you, sis. Daniel. Let's just get this over with. I don't want to be caught in highbrow, despicable approval matrix again if I'm photographed with you. You didn't seem to mind when I offered you a one-way ticket out of this antichrist jurisdiction to my Hamptons property. Gentlemen, we don't have time for your decades-long philosophical arguments. Dorota is waiting. Now let's go. But B, what about Jenny? Chuck! I thought you had taken care of this. I did. I texted her myself. She said she got a ride anyway. With who? Don't tell me it's Archibald, that softy. She didn't say. Spotted. Little Jay on the next blade out of town. S accompanied by a mysterious male companion who resembles a certain... Prince Louis. What in the Grimaldi? Blair, let's get on the plane. We'll sort it out later. I just have to check with the... Pilot? Georgina? Well, technically I'm the co-pilot. I decided to take up a new pandemic hobby and ran into the most dapper fellow at my flight school. We worked so well together that when he offered to take me on as co-pilot, I jumped at the chance. Anyway, I know it's been a while, and you may have considered him dead twice, but, you know, 2020 is full of surprises. Bart, your passengers are ready for takeoff. Watch out, gang. Looks like 2020 is the year that keeps on giving up the ghost. And try as you might to socially distance, you just can't beat this unprecedented time. You know you love me. XOXO. Gossip Girl.
Hey, I'm Nikki Palumbo, a writer and comedian, and as you'll learn from this Angelina Jolie fanfic I wrote, a giant lesbian. My afternoon with Angie. Of all the Claire's and all the tri-state area, she was in this one, in the Menlo Park Mall in Edison, New Jersey. I'd know those lips anywhere, and right here, they're applying a very luscious layer of cherry chapstick. Bold, I think. Okay, be cool, I tell myself. Luckily, there's nothing cooler than the black pleather cuff bracelet I'm eyeing. I tear off the price tag, $12.99, and security sensor, cool, and slip it onto my wrist. I admire it. You've got this, I assure myself. I scoot next to her and reach for a sealed tube of lip gloss, neutral, of course. Nice bracelet, she says, breaking our unmistakable tension. Oh, this old thing? I respond coolly. She nods and grabs my arm to examine it closer. The electricity pulses through my whole body. I try to regain any sense of composure. Yeah, I've had it forever. I recover, flipping my bangs out of my eyes. Reminds me of one of my favorite movies. Oh yeah? Which one? She asks, arching a perfectly sculpted eyebrow. I clear my throat and answer, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. I read her face and can't help but notice a sparkle in her beautiful blue-green eyes. It's so good, I continue, gaining confidence. I've watched it like a hundred times. No kidding, I'm in that, she says, pleasantly surprised. I dare to inch even closer to her and smile a little devilishly. I know, I say, keeping our little secret. You're great in it. I just didn't want to, you know. I gesture around to the other teens in the store. If only they knew how close they were, how close we were. Thank you, she says, kindness in her eyes. And something else, that sparkle again. Hey, she leans into me like we're sharing a secret. In a sense, we are. Are you hungry, she asks. I nod silently and say, I know a place. I fold her long, slender fingers into mine and begin my whirlwind day with Angelina Jolie. Like and subscribe for part two. Hi, my name is Erin Fenton. I've written for HQ Trivia and The Wall, and I'm on the sketch team, The Foundation at ECB. I have a new pilot based in the Sweet Valley High book, so here is some Sweet Valley High fan fiction. Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield were two beautiful California girls. Their hair was as blonde as the silk inside a corn ear. Their eyes were the blue-green of an undiscovered sea. Their figures were a perfect size two, and not like today's size two, but back in the 80s when size two actually meant something. There was a sort of perfection lingering around them that was dangerous for the normal human to approach. Jessica and Elizabeth had lived nearly 17 years in the world with very little to distress or vex them. Until today. The day that would change everything. There was a knock on the door. I'll get it, said Elizabeth. It was Elizabeth's boyfriend, Todd Wilkins. Todd was a football player. He looked exactly like John F. Kennedy and Major Nelson from I Dream of Jeannie put in a blender. Which is to say, Todd was a hunk. Stud. A beefcake. Todd kissed Elizabeth on the cheek purely. Elizabeth, you look beautiful, said Todd. She was beautiful, 
more beautiful than anyone in a 50-mile radius, except for her identical twin sister, Jessica, who was an identical level of beautiful. They were like two tall candles alit with flame. Todd shrank back with fear and awe, as if he had laid eyes on a bedazzling Medusa who had struck him blind. I'm glad you came early, Todd, said Elizabeth. Gosh, I'm excited for a strawberry milkshake. Her sweet voice sounded like the slither of a cobra. Strawberry, you're so boring, Elizabeth, Jessica said. I always get the red devil fudge shake. Jessica laughed, the noise tinkling inside the foyer with a terrible clang. Todd clutched at his ears. Jessica, maybe you should come with Todd and me on the date, Elizabeth suggested. You don't mind, do you, Todd? Todd's lips parted to answer, but his tongue lay damp and dead in his mouth. All of his teeth had fallen from his guns, realizing they would never match the flawless ivory choppers of the Wakefield girls. Oh, fine, Jessica said. Besides, I want to see that cute new busboy. Todd remembered the new busboy. His name was Ilya, and he was 16. An innocent peasant boy from deep in Siberia, he had come to this country to make a life for himself. Todd knew Ilya would be no match for a smoke-shelled Jezebel like Jessica Wakefield. She would eat him alive. Todd wished he could warn Ilya to run, but he seemed to have lost control of his legs. Still, they walked into the twins' convertible, a red Fiat Spider with brown, buttery leather seats. You're so excited to see this busboy, Elizabeth said, addressing Jessica. But what if he doesn't like you? Todd fought the urge to laugh. Poor Ilya, as if he could outrun her. As if he could fight her off. She was designed to kill, identical in deadliness to her sister Elizabeth, Todd's girlfriend. Don't worry, Jessica said. I have a secret weapon, lipstick in the shade Poison Apple. She applied the lipstick to her soft, brat's doll lips. How had Todd ever imagined he could withstand the Wakefield's powers? What fool was he to imagine he could skim his fingers along the surface of the sun and escape unburned? Give me a kiss, Todd, Elizabeth said. He turned his face to hers. The blackness surrounded him like a sock. My eyes were blurry at first, my vision then adjusted. I see a boy, wandering, confused. We locked eyes. My name is Nick, he said. What's yours? Wait, Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys? That's what he looked like. I knew it but I didn't tell him I recognized him. Angel, I simply replied. Oh, that's my sister's name, he said. She's a twin. I know, I said in my head. I have a sister too, April. A lot of A names, he said. <laughs> we both nervously laughed. Do you know where we are? I don't know, I said, but I feel like I've been here before, or I've tried to come here. We looked around, and we see nothing but white around us. Then, far in the distance, there seems to be a path. I wonder what's over there. I don't know. I looked at his eyes. They sparkle blue, and his hair seems so soft. I just want to touch it. He then grabbed my hand. Let's check it out, he winked at me. His hands were so smooth, like clouds. I gasped. Are you okay? Yes, I just... No one has ever held my hand before. That's crazy, he said. Your hands are so smooth, like clouds. I smiled. Suddenly, a big wind knocked us on our feet. 
our hands separated. I opened my eyes. I am back in my pink bathtub. I am breathing hard. What happened? Was that all real? Uh, so that was the passage. Um, and as the series goes on, I like go to school the next day and I'm like, I really want to like, it just feels really nice to be in that space with Nick. So I try it again. I take another bath and you know, I'm like holding my breath and then it takes a while, but I do go back into the space. So we kind of keep meeting in this weird space and discover this world together, but it's still, it's like, what's, what's real? What's not? Is this really happening? And there's no way to know. Um, so that, that's the whole series. And, um, I think everything, uh, just talks about how I can't relate to anyone and I hate reality and I rather live in a pretend dream world than live in my real life. Okay. Wow. That was sad. Okay. Bye. In concert a public broadcasting fanfic. It had been a long night for Ari, from DC to Portland for the big Pink Martini reunion concert. It was a live stream for PBS.org, a fundraiser for public television. The wind was gusting heavily, and the Boeing had circled the airport for two hours, waiting for a safe chance to land. Finally, the aircraft was taxiing up to the terminal. He slowly made his way toward the front of the plane, held up by a hipster girl with a Wings-era Paul McCartney mullet whose Doc Martin shoelaces had woven themselves around the leg of her seat. PDX was empty at 12.14 a.m. as he began the trek toward the pickup area. Things were quiet, then the overhead terminal speakers crackled. Ari Shapiro, can you please return to gate C-13, Ari Shapiro? Trying hard not to let his eyes roll, just in case a fan was nearby, Ari made a U-turn and went back to the gate. I'm Ari Shapiro, he said. You needed me? Oh, yes, said Phyllis, a confident gate clerk. My daughter is a communications major at Villanova, and I was hoping I could get an autograph from you. She's very into bringing back obsolete technologies and is very into radio right now. I know it's late, but it would make her year. Sure, Ari said, pulling an 8 by 10 glossy out of his chocolate brown, Toomey rolling suitcase. Phyllis had already produced a Sharpie. Who should I make this out to? Taylor with an E. To Taylor with an E. May you always find the truth and always get the clicks. Hashtag safe public broadcasting. Thank you so much, said Phyllis. She's going to love this. Can I get a selfie too? Absolutely. Once again, Ari turned toward the exit, deciding to opt for the first ride available, even if it was one of those smelly shuttles. He was ready to relax. You must feel like hot shit. A voice echoed from down the terminal hallway. An NPR anchor gets recognized in the airport for his face, not his voice. David Green would be jealous. Ari looked up and saw a smartly dressed slender man with a somewhat familiar face, but unrecognizable behind his crisp white KN95 mask and tortoise rim glasses. The man approached Ari, and within a few moments, the connection was made. It was Dan Souza from the PBS show America's Test Kitchen. I'm a little starstruck too, Dan gushed. I relish hearing your voice every morning. It's an honor to meet you in real life, Mr. Shapiro. That's very kind of you. Call me Ari. It's a pleasure to meet you too, Dan, as well. I'm a big fan of your meat pie. The recipe from the Thanksgiving episode, 2019. Bridget was right. Your meat pie is beautiful to look at, but once you get a taste, it's hard not to just devour the whole thing. 
I'm glad you're a fan, Dan said with a coy yet knowing smile. Not a lot of people have tried my meat pie, actually. I don't know if they're intimidated or what. Ari blushed, but his face was still covered. Maybe Dan was blushing too. Well, Ari said, I better get going. I've got a big thing tomorrow. I know, Dan replied, the concert. That's why I'm here. PBS offered us tickets to attend the big live stream in person. I love Pink Martini. What's your favorite song? Maybe we can work it into the set, Ari inquired. Don't laugh, Dan implored. Promise me you won't laugh. It's, it's that cover of Fernando by ABBA. The Swedish language is just so scrumptious. Ari laughed out loud. Oh my God, I love that number too. They both felt a spark of connection. To get things moving, Dan said, I guess I better get to my hotel. I told Julia I'd do an Instagram Live on the America's Test Kitchen account, comparing all the single-serve coffee pods in my hotel room. I don't want to get on Julia's bad side. I understand that, Ari said. One time I forgot to bring the watermelon to Terry Gross's 4th of July potluck, and she hasn't spoken to me since. So, where are you staying? Dan asked. A charge ran through Ari's entire body. He'd been hoping for a question like this. I'm supposed to stay with China, but I'm not even sure she'd be awake to answer the phone to tell her I made it. I know you have a place, Dan said, but I've got a suite at the Omni just down the road. I'm sharing it with one of the PAs from Call the Midwife, but she doesn't get here until tomorrow morning. Ari stood frozen for a moment, a gleam in his eye. Yes, Ari finally said with a sigh. I, I love the Omni, but it's not too much trouble. Of course it's no trouble, Dan said with a full cup of enthusiasm and a dash of flirtation. I'm just sad I won't be able to make us breakfast in the morning. I've been working on a recipe for an amazing avocado toast with chipotle peppers that you would absolutely love. That sounds delicious. Maybe when we get back to the East Coast, Ari said, revealing his intent to keep their new friendship, or whatever this was, going. An airport shuttle was pulling up as they walked out. Dan climbed into the back of the shuttle first, unsuccessfully trying to tug his oversized Kenneth Cole soft-sided navy blue suitcase over the bench seats. Ari stopped him. Hang on, little tomato, he said. Let me help you. Wow. I just have to give a round of applause to all of our incredible authors. That was... I have chills. That was incredible. That was probably all of the best living writers of all time and all of mm-hmm. their best work. I'm shook. I'm shook to my very core. Stan Stans, I hope you had as much fun as we had. And if you did, let us know. Should fanfic fest become a regular thing? Uh, we want to hear from you. Also, do you have an incredible fanfiction that we should read? We want to post about it. We want to share it. Let us know. Send us your fanfiction. Send us your thoughts. Because you know we're at We Stand Social on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. We got a Gmail account. You can hit us up all over the place. And we'll be tagging all these wonderful authors on We Stand Social. So if you want to find them, you got to follow us. That's the deal. Mm -hmm. That is the deal. And we are, we're thinking about getting holly jolly over the holiday season and doing a holiday movie watch along. If you've got a pick for what movie you think we should watch, let us know. Yeah, please. As long as it's on one of those fabulous streaming services, we can watch it along with you. So let us know which mm-hmm. one. We are open. Unless you are Joshua Jackson and you want to send us your home videos from your childhood Christmas, that's an option too. Just going to throw that out there casually. It's for sure an option. Mm-hmm. I'm not against it. Yeah, I'm just saying. Or like, I'm just, we're open. We're open. If if one of our, if one of our 
you know, big celebrity stands is out there going, they should really see my home videos from when I was a kid at Christmas. Fair. Absolutely fair. But you know what we both want for Christmas? We have, we made a list. Mm -hmm. We checked it twice. And all we want from you guys is five-star reviews. You know, we talk about it all the time and we're annoying. But if you (laughs) could just go to the podcast app, put five stars, but also just put a little message. could be real short and we would really appreciate it. They are like Christmas morning to us. Yeah. I There's nothing I want for the eight nights of Hanukkah besides eight nights of five-star reviews. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Right. Excellent. Um, All right. <laughs> this has been the first ever Fic Fest. I loved it. Yeah. I had so much fun. You know, we've been really playing fast and loose with the format of the show the last couple of weeks, and I'm kind of into it. Love it. Y'all let us know if you're into Learning it. Learning is everywhere. <laughs> Stay safe, Stan Stans. We'll catch you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.